ahead. I'm Chris Avina with American Outdoor News. Today, we have a really special guest, uh, my friend Luke Clayton, who's on Catfish Radio, Sportsman's Life TV on Carbon TV. He's the hunting editor for Airgun Hobbyist, and he's been an outdoor writer forever, so I'm sure you've read uh, any number of his articles over the years. Luke, thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you, Chris. I, it's an honor to be with you. Uh, hats off on the, the digital magazine. I, am, I, I read every word, every article. A great job there, buddy. Well, I'm so glad to have uh, you a part of it. Um, I, I'm looking forward to uh, the response on uh, the article that is going to be in the upcoming winter edition. Uh, this is going to well, be a the, big edition. I'm really excited about it. Well, I'm excited to be there, buddy. I guarantee you. Uh, I think the first article that I did for you, uh, I believe that was a deer hunting article with big boar uh, uh, air guns. Yes. And that's not, as an old outdoor writer, I learned a long time ago, if I box myself in as a bow hunting rider or a centerfire hunting rider, muzzleloader rider, I do all of that and it's all fun. Crossbows, I like to, if it goes bang or shoots an arrow, it's fun for me. But you really box yourself in as a writer if you don't expand a little bit, you know? Yep. So air guns is something I discovered, oh gosh, the big boy, they're called PCP air guns, you know? Uh, I discovered them about 10 years ago and I'm not really uh, like a technical guy on big boy air guns, I'm not. I, I just, I own several of them and uh, I hunt with them a lot. And I'm kind of knowledgeable about uh, hunting with, uh, with, the, with the air, the power of air. And that's something that most of the state, many of the states have adopted laws here in Texas uh, four years ago the big game uh, species can be hunt, including turkey, uh, can be hunted with big bore air guns. Uh, that's 30 calibers that pressure up to 3,000 psi or more. Uh, I think it's 230 foot pounds of energy. But gosh, Chris, these old these these big bore air guns. If you, if people haven't been exposed to them now, they're they're quite powerful. Honestly, you know. Uh, I was actually introduced to them uh, probably about five years ago, and I've had the uh, the pleasure of uh, firing quite a few of them. And I tell you, the technology has moved so fast in that industry, uh, where you know you could take these things to Africa and take down plane scan. It's it's amazing. Exactly, Chris. You know, uh, one one of the gun uh, the one stop shop for everything air gun related is Pyramid Air. I mean, you can go online to Pyramid Air, P-Y-R-A-M-Y-D, pyramidair.com, and they have everything. It's just like a clearinghouse for everything you need. But they have a, a through Pyramid Air, there's a, there's a one rifle that's called a Dragon Claw. You probably uh -huh. have seen it. And it's a, a bullet shooter or an arrow, a bolt, air bolt shooter. And you mentioned big game, Cape uh, Buffalo over in Africa been killed with the, with the dragon claw. Uh, as a bullet shooter, I've killed a lot of hogs with it. But when it comes to what I call long range air gun shooting, and I call that 100 yards, I've never, I honestly never shot a big game animal 
past about 75 yards, but they're capable of it. Um, the Air Force Air Guns Texan, I know you've heard about the Texan. It's a, I have a 45 caliber, but you can pressure that thing up to 3,600 PSI. Uh, I usually shoot at about 3,100, but it's a bullet shooter. I mean, it's a flat, it shoots flat for an air gun. And that's my, uh, that's my go-to gun for shooting bullets. But the Dragon Claw is obviously uh, for shooting the, the, uh, the air bolts with broadheads. Uh -huh. uh, devastating on just about any game you want to hunt. I know Crossman came out with uh, an air bow uh, probably about four years ago. That uh, yep. is really something yep. else to shoot. Oh, yeah. They're fun to shoot. Uh, you know, I wrote a, a newspaper column here two or three weeks ago about uh, so many people quizzed me. Okay, Luke, so I think I want to start hunting with the big bore air gun. Now, what do I need? Well, what you need is some way to pressure that air gun up, obviously. Now, there's air tanks. Even a scuba tank with an adapter will work but it's kind of big and it's kind of clumsy. So there's carbon fiber tanks that you can buy. But, and I went to, that's the way I started out is, is tanks. Uh, but the problem is you have to fill that tank. You have to go somewhere. Somebody's got to have a compressor that will generate 3000 PSI or now 3600 if you want that. So, you know, a tankle is great and it'll, it'll, it's good for many fills. You usually have about three what I call killing shots with a big bore air gun. My Texan has got, shoots three times hard enough that I feel comfortable shooting a deer at 50, 60 yards or a little farther. But you're gonna ultimately need that tank refilled. So there's so many, what I, I, I advise people to do, a tank is nice if you have some way to fill it, but there's compressors, portable compressors now that are about the size of a, a car battery, you know, a kind of a small car battery. And I just filled uh, my uh, uh, Dragon Claw with, with my compressor just before we went on the air here. Uh, it takes five minutes, but I feel before I go on a hunt, I will take that compressor called a Nomad. It's a little, about the size of a car battery, a little smaller, much lighter. And I'll take it and I'll pressure my, the gun I'm gonna hunt with up to 3,000, 3,100. And then I'll, I'm ready to go for three shots. How many times do you need to shoot more than three times on a deer hunt, say? Very seldom. Hopefully none. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing something wrong, Chris, if you do. But it's good for, about, it's good for three, three shots that would kill a deer. And so I take it with me. It's got alligator clamps that you can hook on your car battery or you can plug it in, uh, you know, uh, D, uh, AC current. So I take the compressor with me, say around camp, if someone wants to shoot, shoot it, well, we'll plug it in, charge it back up, shoot it a few times. But I'm a big proponent now, honestly, of, of a portable compressor. Uh, Nomad, I don't know exactly. It's a few hundred dollars. It's not real expensive, but... To get started uh, with a with a, a good air uh, quality big bore air gun and a compressor, uh, you you could buy, you could buy an economical centerfire much cheaper. It'll cost over a thousand bucks, but then you've got it. You don't have to worry about you don't have to worry about ammo. That's for sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> now you've been an outdoor writer for a long time. 
Uh, you're, okay. in, you're in what, 40, over 40 papers. Yes, sir. There, there's 41 Texas newspapers that run it. And I freelance, you know, all the, for Texas wildlife. I'm the shooting and hunting columnist, you know, but fur fishing game is another, you know, I, I freelance for a bunch of them, Chris. Sure. But yes, yeah, I, I'm a, I really started out writing for newspapers uh, 36 years ago. So how did you start out being a, an outdoor writer? That's kind of interesting. Uh, Chris, since I was a boy, I would go out. Uh, we had a Papa Dinkins. There's really no blood kin, but he was like a grandfather to me down in southeast Texas. He had about 2,500 acres down there. And that's back in the, oh, the late mid-60s. In 65, I was 15 years old. So give you a timeline there. I'd go down, I'd get on a Greyhound bus. I was raised up in the country up in Northeast Texas. Uh -huh. My folks would put me on a Greyhound bus with a Marlin 336C in a gun case. And, <laughs> and they thought nothing of it with a couple of boxes of ammo stuck in the old Ziploc gun case, right? Yeah. So I'd jump on that thing and I'd go down to hunt with my, with Papa Dinkins. And the, the, there were enough deer to hunt, but they were just getting, the deer, whitetail boon was just coming about in those years. Well, I just started, uh, I'd go down there and I'd take a big chief tablet. Now, this sounds like something that came over <laughs> on the Mayflower. I would take an old tablet and write like 10 pages every evening, just back, we live way out in the woods and nothing else to do, and send that letter home. He would mail it every day. Wow. So I don't know. You've heard of people being a born writer. I yeah. don't know about that. But I know there is a desire in some people to express what they've done with words. And, and I'm one of those people. Yeah. I mean, so, and, and I look back uh, when I first started writing. Well, no, I wasn't a born writer. I, I get a pretty good laugh out of some of the stuff I read now, really. But uh, that's kind of how I got, uh, so I had a, a desire to write, hardwired, if you will. Yeah. So I was a surveyor uh, in my, you know, for a long time, a surveyor out, you know, finding property corners, and that's how I made my living. We was going to a little cabin I had up, which as soon as I got off work, I went straight to a cabin on the lake with my young family. I was going across the bridge, I'll never forget it. I told my wife, you know. I'm spending all our free time out here at this cabin. We're fishing and hunting and stuff like that. I need to be making some money on the weekends. <laughs> so uh, this, is the, this is how it happened, Chris. I, I said, you know what? I'm going to talk to some of the local newspapers and see if they will pay me a little money to write outdoor articles. So that's how it started. And, and, uh, it's been quite a learning curve, as you know. It's sure. the outdoor press is a is a ride, <laughs> but it's, it's been, I wouldn't take over time. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. That's right. But I've been doing it so long that now, you know, it's it's really easy for me. I used to stress out. Well, well, how am I going to do this article? It seems like after so many years, I just sat down at the computer now, and with the basic thought and and it's i get it done somehow <laughs> you know you know it's it's funny you say that because uh i know a lot of 
seasoned writers who've been doing it for decades, like yourself, and they could bang out an article like that. I, I don't understand how they could do it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I know people that could write under any conditions. Um, yeah, no where they are. Uh, I'm not yeah. that type of writer. Well, I, I don't understand it either. Uh, writing, not that I'm a. I don't do not profess to be a a great. I'm, I'm not a great. I've written a couple of books and, uh, but I bang out a bunch of words in the course of a month. You know, I really do and. I don't know. It doesn't seem like work to me. Yep. And, and it's interesting, Chris, and, and I would say this to anyone listening to us now, younger person or whatever that, that thinks, hey, I'd like to get into the outdoors somehow. Um, for years, at least two decades, I, all I did was, was, was uh, wrote about, was a writer. Mm -hmm. And then I was a guest on a radio show out of Houston one time, talking about hog hunting. I took one of my passions. And uh, a friend, told, who's also an outdoor writer and a radio, kind of like I am now, you know? Yeah. He says, Luke, you ought to think about starting, uh, getting, trying to get on some radio stations. And, and you know, he's, I said, well, that's just not me. Well, I started it and it just kind of morphed. Now, Larry Wysoon, our buddy Larry, Larry's been on my show for 14 years every week. You know, I mean, it just, it thinks the, the, the advice I would have for someone is to don't be afraid to get started and don't think you instantly have to be like Chris or be doing the things that you do or maybe Luke, you know, you're not going to start there. It's not going to happen, but just have fun with it. it. And if you don't like it, you'll learn real quick that it's not for you. And then you'll go on about your business. It's good to be a, have fun hunting and fishing. So, um, you know, that might help someone that, that wants to get started, Chris. Yeah, I agree with you. And I got to say, you know, the, the magazine and the podcast has really been a lot of fun for me. It really don't even feel like work um, because yeah. you're doing what you like. You know, we're, we're outdoors, we're hunting, we're talking hunting with people that we, that we know, or, you know, it's a, a people you don't know that, are into the same things that we are. It's it's an instant bond. It is, it is. And, uh, you know, there, there's more and more uh, people getting into the outdoors. Uh, there was a time when I used to think, well, let's, it, let's help this kid get started, or this child, young boy or girl, let's get them introduced into the outdoors. I used to think like that. Now, you wouldn't, you know, now I've, I know a lot of grown men that I've taken hunting or whatever with me that just, you know, they were raised in an environment where they weren't subjected to hunting. Yeah. It wasn't like the way I was raised. I mean, I was raised on a farm up in Northeast Texas until I was a mid-teens. Yeah. And if I wanted to go hunting, well, I just grabbed the old Mossberg or whatever and walked out the door, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I understand it's not like that now with, with, with our population and the way things are nowadays, you know. Well, I grew up in New York and, you know, I'm on Long Island. It's not exactly the hunting capital of the world. Um, you know, for me, the outdoors, uh, my uncle used to take me camping and eventually introduced me to hunting. And um, that's how I got into it. You know, my, my family, you know, my immediate family, my brothers, my father, they don't hunt. They don't, they're not outdoorsmen. Yeah. 
I, I don't know. I, I you know, I, I question, uh, I question how I got into it, but it was just something I took to right away. Yeah, I think, uh, I think some people just, you know, are the, for lack of a better term, hardwired to hunt. You know, I really and fish. But I actually, uh, I, f I never feel more alive than when I'm out. Uh, I can be sitting in a deer stand or, or I really probably, I love fishing and I write about fishing a lot, you know, here uh -huh. in so many lakes here in Texas and then down on the coast. But uh, I, I don't know, there's something about being out in the woods and, uh, you know, just peace and tranquility. And and I do like to eat game. I mean, and I like to cook it too. I, and I know how to cook, <laughs> you know. So yeah, I mean, I really would hate to think of going through life and not having a chance to to enjoy the outdoors. It'd be a it'd be a tough road to hold for me. So you you have your uh, radio show. You write for any number of newspapers and magazines, and you also have. Uh, a sportsman's life on Carbon TV with uh, our friend Liar Wyzoon. Uh, can you tell us about that? Yep, uh, and that's an interesting story too. Never in my wildest dream did I ever think I'd be getting getting involved with any video show. Never, I never never had any desire to really. But I've got a good friend, uh, Jeff Rice from Wisconsin. Jeff has lived in Texas for oh, 18, 20 years. He has a little ranch farm, if you will. Really good game country up in Northeast Texas near Lake Fork, which some of our uh, viewers may know where Lake Fork is. Good, good lake. And he's, he's all about videography. So we, about two and a half years ago, Jeff said, you know what? I would have him with me on story assignments sometimes, you know, to just to be there with us. And he told me, he said, you know, let's start a weekly video. I'll do it. And he said, we can film. I love to cook on Dutch kettles and things like that. He said, we can film you cooking. We can film us hunting hogs, skinning a hog, how to do this, how to do that. And we started doing that. Well, Larry, Larry Wysoon, my buddy, who is most definitely well grounded in video. We all know that. Larry is. Yep. So... Larry had come up, I introduced him to Jeff, and we started, Larry had come up to Jeff's cabin two or three days and, you know, hunt hogs or fish on the creek, that kind of deal. And Larry says, let's take this to the next level, boys. And I said, okay, let's go. <laughs> He's, Larry had already been my guest on the radio show forever. So so we, we did, we started. Now it was outdoor uh, sportsman's life with uh -huh. the three of us instead of just Jeff and I. So we learned a great deal from, from Larry. I, I did and Jeff did. But Jeff had the expertise, the editing ability and to, to, to make the shows look good, you know. Yeah. Uh, you can you can go to a sportsman's life, uh, go to YouTube at any point in time and just search out a sportsman's life and watch even the most am the first shows that we did. And then Larry's been with us for about well, about 15 months now, so you can watch the current shows also with Larry. Uh, but very few people watch it on YouTube. Most of them, we've had it on another streaming channel and uh, Facebook thing, and it was getting like 250,000 views a month wow. there. But very excited about Carbon. They're 
because it's a weekly show, uh, they're expecting it to be. And, and I'm sure Larry, so many people know Larry, the fact that he's on it, too. It's going to be uh, I think it's going to be a, a pretty, pretty good show from the beginning, you know. Well, I'm definitely excited to see your upcoming episodes. And um, I'm actually really excited to have you a part of American Outdoor News as well. I appreciate your input. Well, I hope to. Uh, I'll just pick and choose the stuff I think our friends would be interested in reading about. There's a lot of stuff going on down here in Texas, Chris. And uh, I'll try to pick subjects that, that are maybe Texas-oriented and send them your way. Hopefully, uh, think ahead and get one in, the, in each issue. That's what I'd like to do. That'll be great. Well, I will see you at uh, Dallas Safari Club. We could uh, speak about it further, but we're running out of time. I, I want to thank you again for coming on, and uh, I look forward to seeing you in Dallas this January. You bet. It's been great, Chris. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks again. Don't forget to subscribe to uh, Sportsman's Life on Carbon TV and uh, subscribe to our podcast. Thanks again. You betcha. We love our children. We protect them. We guide them. We prepare them for life in the world. With all that we do, from deep in our hearts, we cannot control all things. Life-threatening illnesses and disabilities affect far too many of our children each year. While we cannot change the circumstance, we can make dreams come true. Dreams to provide hope, to provide spiritual healing and strength, to provide moments of happiness and relief in the hardest of times. We can give a glimmer of light and hope in a time of darkness and despair. Join huntofalifetime.org to help make dreams come true, to provide hope for children with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nonprofit organization fulfilling dreams for hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Visit huntofalifetime.org to learn how you can make a difference.